the Sports Career Podcast, episode 294, how to use your voice to make a positive difference in the football industry. Sports Achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who can support and encourage you to be the best version of yourself, particularly if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the football industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. But before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, If you're struggling to start a career in the sports industry, check out my free mini course where in seven days you'll learn how to discover, start and commit to your sports career journey so it can become a reality. So head to education to sport forward slash MC and enroll to this free course now and make it happen. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest is Emma Clark, who's the managing director of Crea Sports Consulting which is responsible for devising a three-year strategy that will inspire and help young people at the grassroots level of football in the workforce in the women's and girls' game. Also, she's the chair of the FA National Youth Council. So for that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Emma as a podcast special guest on the show. And that's when during this podcast, Emma will share her football career journey and explain to you how you can use your voice to make a difference in the football industry. Emma, it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Well, thank you for having me, Ed. I really do appreciate it. It's great to be here. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm Emma Clark. Um, my, I'm current chair of the FA National Youth Council. And um, I've recently also founded my own business and working as a consultant for the FA and Premier League around youth workforce development. And as I share my story, you'll start to understand um, why that area is just so important to me. Um, so it is a real pleasure to kind of be here and be chatting to you. Thinking back on my sports career journey, uh, it really just began with a passion for football. I think that is that is a great starting point and kind of taking you back to the beginning, I guess. Um, when I was young, my family, we moved around to lots of different countries uh, for my dad's work. I've, I've lived in seven different countries uh, during my lifespan of 24 years so far. When I was four or five years old, we lived in Brazil, um, which, as you know, is a massive football country um loads of passionate fans and as i've been told i do not remember this um i used to watch the teams play football on the beaches since then i've never really been able to keep a football away from my feet um so to me it didn't really matter as a female kind of playing this what i was four years old the only girl on those kind of playground pitches um and luckily joined the girls team at the age of under 10s and my journey in football has just been this massive love for the game and I'm an Arsenal fan as well and, and I I'm truly believe I'm a product of seeing visible female role models in the sport. My family took me to watch um, Arsenal women and, and you know women's teams growing up and my hero in football growing up was Kelly Smith and I think that's just amazing to be able to say that and actually I, I feel incredibly lucky to have that as part of my journey. Um, I've also coached in the game, I, you know, just massively wanted to be involved in whatever aspect I could. Um, and then I kind of started a, started my career in, in what went through education and um, went to university. And I actually, for my undergraduate, I, I studied biomedicine. Um, I was massively passionate about science and I thought that was going to be the route for me. Uh, genuinely, I started going down that path and um, a lot of time in the lab. And, and everything like that and I thought that was going to be my route but my involvement in the game only increased and I think it gets to a certain point where you really have to look at what your passion is and for me that was football so I decided to follow my dreams which is you know a very kind of fairy tale story in that sense of actually can I can I pursue this I went and studied a master's in sports business and leadership at Loughborough University in London um, 
studying at the Olympic Park, which is just a dream environment in general. Through that time, I, I you know, I, I did some work experience alongside my studies at a company called Rematch. Um, and Rematch, a kind of startup company creating immersive experiences, reliving iconic sports moments of the past. Um, so it was a really interesting experience for me. The big focus at that time was around um, retelling the story of Wimbledon um, 1980 kind of final. It, it was a great place for me to learn, uh, meet new people and, and actually open my eyes to other opportunities in the game and uh, well, other opportunities in sport in general. Um, and it put me in good stead to start my career in the midst of COVID. I'm very early in my journey. I finished my master's and it was kind of COVID lockdown. What am I going to do? My whole career so far has been mainly working from home um, still to this day. And I managed to get a role with Seven League. Um, who are a digital consultancy and agency, and I was working as community manager for the FIFA fan movement. Um, and a funny story here, I was actually a member of the FIFA fan movement community before becoming a community manager and seeing the other side. And it's a global community of football fans who are just incredibly passionate about the game and want to use their voices in a positive way and talk about their love for football. Um, and, and they're connected, and no matter what language you speak, you can connect through sport, right? So um, that was a great way for me to get involved in. It was a really fantastic kind of first full-time role for me, um, kind of interacting and recruiting fans from all different countries and allowing them the space to talk about what they love, um, which is the game. And I think there's no greater pleasure than listening to people talk about something they're passionate about, hopefully what I'm going to do today. That time came to a close and, I'm, and it kind of led me to the role I'm in now. Um, I was given the opportunity to apply for a position um, that almost seemed too good to be true for me. It um, brought together two of my main passions in football, which hopefully we can deep dive into, which is around supporting young people, um, but also the women's and girls game. So I'm currently kind of working on youth workforce development to make sure we can see, give young people the opportunity to volunteer and work in the professional workforce as well in, in the women's and girls game to support and develop this growth that we're seeing, which is just fantastic. And hopefully will be supercharged by the Women's Euros this summer and the World Cup next year. So it's a really exciting journey to be on and, um, yeah, super privileged and very early days in my career, but we, and who knows where it will go. Um, but that is, that is a very short summary of my life so far. <laughs> I think it's an amazing reply. I have to go back in time. Just reflecting from when you're four years old in Brazil, yeah. how have those experiences traveling those seven different countries, reflecting, supports you now with the understanding that football is that sort of global brand of a sport where it integrates so many cultures. I'm just, I'm just intrigued on that point because for people listening going, I've traveled a lot. I see how football influences culture. If you understand that, I personally believe from the people I've interviewed on the show, the more uh, better self-awareness you have when working in the football industry by being mindful of different cultures. So I'm just intrigued from that side of yeah. things. I mean, I don't think you're wrong there. I think you've got it spot on. I think actually being able to see how football can connect people or sport can connect people is massive in the way that you can use it as a vehicle to create change and drive positive, like have a positive impact. So for me, my main passion in, in sport has been actually how can we use it as a tool to, to make an impact on people's lives. Sport has changed my life. Sport can cross those borders that other things can't. So, you know, it doesn't matter what language you can speak. You can all play football together. Um, and you know I, I have experienced that and it's something that's just so incredible I think also my experiences as a as a woman in the game across different countries you you experience it very differently um, and I think for a lot of people they just appreciate a passion for football um, and they can see past your gender or, or however you identify which I think is is quite a, a, an interesting and great thing to experience but you know I've also f experienced the flip side of that even at the age of five years old when a teacher was telling me you know why why are you playing with the boys on the playground like so I've experienced both but you know once you have that passion nothing's there's very few things that can stop you so it was I was already building momentum then and luckily it was it was uh, said to deaf ears and I continued my path. <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about you've said the word a few times and I I think you probably guess I hear it quite a lot with us having a real passion which is an emotion by the way I always say it's passions and emotion but where's the part when you went right this is what I want to do as a profession so it's like passion with purpose with profession because we can all have passion for something I'm decoding this for the listener, but it, there are stepping stones from a career standpoint where you went, right, this is my profession, probably your master's. But 
I just want to, I can hear passion throughout the whole conversation, but I was really curious of when did you sort of draw the line going, oh, this is what I want to do as a profession from a career standpoint as well. Yeah. And I think there was quite a few things that went before that where, because you can, you know, you, as you said, you can be driven by passion and energy. But actually, I think for me, I had to see the opportunity and I had to see that that door was that door could be opened for me. Um, so by the time that I had been convinced and I think I kind of mentioned it around how football kind of taken over my life by that point and um, my youth leadership journey across FA youth leadership programs had really grown. So we can we can dive into that around my role on the FA National Youth Council and having that visibility across different football networks and football organisations and national governing bodies really gave me the visibility of the different roles within the game. And I think once you can see that, it helps you to create a path in your mind. And, and at that point, um, I was like, I'll get a, quali you know, obviously I was getting qualified as a biomedical scientist and I was like, I'll get a, a master's in within the sports industry and that will have a qualification under my belt that will give me the confidence to pursue this as a career. Um, because I think that confidence piece is massive um, for me as well. You know, sometimes it's really easy to lack, well, at least for me, I found it quite easy to lack the self-belief in, in my own ability. Um, and so having that, that qualification under my belt actually really gave me some confidence to be like, I, I can do this. And just for people, sorry to interrupt, but I think this is important, with people who are doing undergraduate where it's not sport related from your experience, like the ones that stick to mind where I know now, because you probably know this as well, the world of data and how we use data and analytics. I, I You just sparked it with um, Matt Rogan. He said when he was at Two Circles, he was hiring geographers, historians for the skill sets of research into their organisation in sport. So for people listening going, Ed, I don't have an undergraduate in sport, but you proved you can do a master's. I'm just curious, what skill sets from your undergrad helped you in your master's, which gave you an edge, but maybe not from a sport knowledge perspective? I'm curious on that side of things. So many things. And if it's reassuring to anyone, there were so many people on my master's course who also came in with no sports background. And I think actually there's lots of people who enter the sports industry with no sports background. So it doesn't mean that door is closed for you. I think it's massive. But when we're talking about skill set perspective, you're, you were spot on around that data analysis, the project management, the understanding how to build a research piece and ask the right questions. Um, that is all hugely important and has really helped me along my journey. And I think also just having a different lens and perspective, um, having another way of thinking about things outside of solely sport use that to your advantage um 100 i think it gives you a different window to look at projects or questions or problems that always adds value you know diversity of thought um is a massive thing that people are talking about at the moment and actually if you can bring something different to the room um you're automatically adding a huge amount of value there so yeah definitely would say don't underestimate your worth in those rooms and the opportunity is there for people who haven't studied sports i'm going to go another layer of this onion because this is super important i remember people was it their favourite module? I loved it because I loved going through the nitty gritty of questions. How important was it for you to really understand research methods? Like how's that supported you in the football industry now? But in particular, like when we were a student, like quantitative, qualitative, in-person interviews, ethnography, surveys, like all these little methods of skills, because it is a skill when you understand it. How has that supported you now? I'm just curious too. Yeah. I mean, I've used those skills in every single role that I've entered <laughs> in the sports industry. So one, it's very practical. Um, you will use it. You will need to perfect it. Uh, I think a big part of sport is understanding your audience and understanding who you're reaching and, and that market, um, because the more you can align with the motivations and removing the barriers for those people and understanding their lives and what they're going through, both through quantitative and qualitative research and, and data, the more accurate and more um, personal the programs will be for them, the more it will relate to their lives, the more accessible sport will be for them. Also, those pathways will be open. So it is a massive skill to perfect and, and it hasn't really helped me along my journey and put me in good stead to compete for roles or, or be within those spaces. I'm going to put us on the spot, both of us. How could people who are listening start improving those skills? So the one thing I do is I always look at my Twitter data and then I sort of use certain tweets to sorry try and spark some engagement I've done a book giveaway 
and I try and use some content then with a call to action, like just to probe the, like you said, to probe the audience to get engagement. Like, could you, I'm putting you on the spot. I know we'll talk about one of your projects you're doing, but I want people to think like I can start practicing these skills with the tools we've already got basically through the gift of social media because you've got Instagram data, Facebook data. Like it can be a bit overwhelming, but I'm just curious from a research method perspective, what tips and tricks you could give for people who are listening now so they can experiment on this side of things because I think it is crucial if they get this. 100% and I'm, I'm trying to think I'm, I'm not sure if, how many examples I can give from a personal perspective I think I've actually been given a lot of opportunities to practice within roles and projects that are very kind of real so it's some of my voluntary positions you know we still do that monitoring and evaluation so um, you know there is many different ways and I think you could look around your everyone could look around their own lives and think about actually what am I involved in here that if I looked into or asked some of those questions, I could make 1% better. Um, and that's that's having an impact. But, you know, across the internet, there is so much data available. Like if you want to practice and find find that information out, it's a, it's a Google away. It's, you know, it's typing it into a search engine and I, I, it is getting so much more accessible now. And there's a lot of resources and things that you can look into. Um, and, you know, exactly as you said, I think everyone's taken a look at their social media analytics at some point and just actually understanding that data and how you can get that reach, especially if you want to use your voice to have a platform and, and talk about something that's important to you. Um, it's, it's really interesting to look into and you can you, I think you can either export like um, Excel spreadsheets and you can play around with those numbers and have a look. So just getting comfortable with numbers, looking at numbers, thinking about how you can ask more insightful questions within the groups and teams you're working in practice makes perfect right well practice makes better um that's for sure <laughs> well progression yeah. I think it's progression like even just using like I'm giving like a tool that I use is like survey monkey where when I'm thinking of an idea going how can I make things better or you know sport education I was like just put a survey out there to my newsletter you know for me as you say it's all about the quality of questions and it leads so well to our podcast topic like how can the listeners use their voice to make a positive change in football? Now, I know that sounds big and bold and like we're trying to change the world. No, what I'm trying to say is you, you are using your voice on Twitter with regards to this project we'll talk about or this volunteering project. But just in general, how can we all use our voice for that change, you know, in the football industry? Um, I think this is important, particularly because you said about the self-belief. I don't think I use my voice effectively when I start because we think, oh, we're just new to the block in this industry what we say we could get criticized judged but actually we're in a world now where I'm seeing that should we say leaders with 20 years experience are now looking for fresh ideas from us youth and particularly like if you do masters or undergraduates you're the ones with all the ideas from your studies like I always say your pieces of work are little evidence which can be applied in the industry um, so I'm just curious of your experience of how you used your voice in this industry so people can apply it themselves after they've listened to this 100 percent. and I'll start off with that self-belief self-confidence piece um you know I it's it's a challenge I went through and I'm still going through let's be really real here but I think as people and I'm going to speak as a young person I truly believe that young people have the energy passion ideas um to have a positive impact right now and influence right now and every single person or have their sphere of influence that they can work within. Um, and that's, that has real value. Um, and you might not be um, in those rooms making some of the top decisions, but actually what, what can you do right here, right now that will make a difference, even if it's just the one person, because that's enough. Like that's massive. What really helped me was thinking about how I could use my voice effectively with a clear purpose and vision or, or a reason why. And my vision does really relate to the vision of the FA National Youth Council that I'm part of and, and chairing the team at the moment. And our vision as a team is to ensure that all young people have meaningful opportunities to develop themselves and positively impact the football community. And what that could mean is, is so many different things. Um, but actually, it's about developing people and allowing them to realise their potential to have an impact. So at the basis of it, it's actually, how can we educate? How can we share? Um, and how can we talk about our own stories and our own experiences to help others? Um, and then I think it's really important that you practice what you preach and you follow that through and you give it a go and you live your values and you try and be authentic with what you want to say. And 
also raise people up and give them a platform um, and help share other stories who might not feel confident and actually you can be that person I think everyone reflects on their own journey um, in whatever industry or whatever world you're in and there's people along the way that have really helped you I think the most powerful thing you can be is that person to someone else Um, and yeah I think if you can do that that's just really amazing and there's nothing that can beat kindness or um, bigging someone up and telling them how amazing they are um, and giving them a little bit more confidence to go and do what they want to do and achieve their goals. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Having that encouragement so early on, I'm going to be honest, I sound old now. I've been seven years, always say I've got a seven-year gig in this industry. When I started, I'll be truthful, the encouragement side wasn't where things are now. There are so many more opportunities where there are so many more groups you can join. And I'm really curious here because I want people to think, I like to be real. Like I think we're in a world now, everything's not that nine to five anymore, particularly in the sports industry, isn't because all the events pretty much on the weekend. I'm just curious of like how you manage time that you don't just have that one role. You're part of various projects. That's how I look at my life now. I have my main role, but also other projects that actually elevate my skills. But also I feel like in our generation, that will how the world will be. And I'll say this because from a COVID standpoint, it was proof of concept that you can't just do one thing. You might have to diversify yourself into other projects. I just don't think a career is one thing. That's my point. And I know you're doing this youth council. I see you nodding your head. I'm just, did you realize that point when you were starting out these different projects or did it just happen naturally? I just want people to get a flavor of the employment side. You might be doing a few things, but all relate to your vision and passion and purpose. I just want people to get the sort of slight reality of how it works. Um, That makes sense. No, it definitely does. And I, I, it wasn't like that for me at the start. Um, I was naive to it. I didn't realise what it could come with and the time that I would want to commit to it. Um, and I have had to change and adapt my life so I can fill the pro- projects and programmes that I am passionate about and I am motivated to be a part of. Um, so it's, I've had to do some prioritisation. Um, 100% and I've got to but I've also tried I've got to think about um, what time I can also keep to myself so I can switch off and not think about football all the time um, as much as I love it um, do you set boundaries I try to I try to um... we mean try because <laughs> this has been my hardest thing I'll be honest it's so difficult and I think it's an important subject because I don't want well I think I'm put, I've burnt out twice and I can happily share those in a lot more detail if you'd like but I'm saying setting boundaries is probably the hardest side in sport why because of time time zone differences mm. when you're working people remotely so it's but I'm just curious of how you apply that boundary set I'll give you one idea I try and say by 8 p.m my phone is off you know I may reply to people on LinkedIn messaging but I don't do any calls and it was weird because really quickly Emma I said I'm really sorry I know you're in the United States but I can't do a call now it's just one of those boundaries I was just very polite just to explain because if not you could have we can have calls up to 11 p.m with people from different parts of the world so there's one I set in stone now it's quite hard but it's I think it's needed like you really for me it's that mental state than anything else so I'm just curious how you do it um if that's cool no of course I mean, for me, I think my understanding is built that my workload will kind of peak and like it'll be a bit of a wave motion peak and kind of there will be peaks of time where it really build up. So at the moment, we're working towards our showcase event with the National Youth Council called FA Leadership Academy, which is a four day residential run by young people for young people. And it is genuinely organised and run by the Youth Council. So the amount of time that is going in at the moment compared to earlier in the season is massive. So my boundary at the moment is simply not on Friday evening I'm done like Friday evening uh we're recording this on a Friday this evening I will be away from my laptop and that isn't that isn't that's a very small boundary if you think in the in the reality of what the rest of the week you're you're probably doing youth council related stuff but earlier in the season there are big much bigger boundaries but I think um and I think with my new role as well I have a bit more flexibility of where my time is seeing as I'm managing it myself so um you know, if I want to go to the gym in the day, I probably can, can for a little and like keep, try and keep my physical health as, as a priority as well. So it's hard. Let's be real. It, it is really hard, um, especially when it's something you absolutely love doing and it gives you joy. Um, I think 
taking that time to switch off is, is difficult. So I haven't perfected it, but we're getting there. I don't think I've perfected it, but it, it's more that I'm more mindful of it because it's like anything. Our minds are one way and then our bodies are old on a minute. I need some rest or vice versa. Um, I want to talk about the FA National Youth Council because I think these are projects. I'll be honest, when I started my career, they weren't visible. And now they are like, you know, I've just joined Sega and I'm like, this is a new cool role for me getting out of my comfort zone. So I'm just curious of like how these are platforms for people to, if they are shy, they should apply. I think that's something I want to want the listeners to learn that if you don't apply, you never know. I'm not saying we can say yes to everything. You've got to, as you say, factor the time, which we've already talked about. But I'm just curious of like by you applying and now being the chair, like what have you learned the most from a skill set perspective? But like the benefits of just applying and seeing where that leads. Yeah. Um I think you can speak to anyone who has been involved in my in my journey um, on FA Youth Leadership programs, starting from 2016 when I attended the first ever FA Leadership Academy and was just absolutely in awe of the National Youth Council team running it and was just like, I have to be a part of that one day. My, me as a person and my kind of persona and confidence, um, I have completely changed. I was very quiet. Um, didn't have very much self-confidence, didn't have much self-belief. I did know it was something I wanted to be a part of and I waited till I thought I was ready, um, which I think is a really interesting thing to do. However, I did have people along my journey going, go on, Emma, give it a go, apply, you can do it. Um, but for those who maybe don't have that, I think it's take reassurance in the fact that if you wait until you're ready, it may never happen and actually... You, you are, you can do these things, um, you can have an impact. And um, a lot of these rooms, especially when working with young people, it's around development. You will be put into opportunities in a safe space to um, excel, to push yourself, to be out of your comfort zone, um, which is something that is scary, but really important. And um, that's how you learn. And you are in a space where you can make mistakes um, and there will be consequences, but actually, you can learn from them and you can do it again and be better um, and and make the most of, of that learning. So, yeah, that's that's something for me. And um, it, it, it's been life changing. It really has. So I'm glad you mentioned about the mistakes bit, because that is vital. Even me launching my first ever three podcasts, I was like this. <laughs> is it if you're going to listen and seven years on, people are enjoying the show. So thank you for listening, for listening. But my point is, I was nervous. I didn't know. This is before people really knew podcasts. So I think you don't know till you know, I think, when you put yourself out there. But I am curious on one thing, reflecting. You said the confidence piece. This is vital. This is probably the, the struggle I had when I started as well. So reflecting, like, what elements of the confidence has improved now? Is it more because you have past experiences to relate to? Is it actually now I just have an approach to things differently with regards to, actually, I'm just going to give it a go doesn't matter if I make a mistake because when we're younger we question we may overthink I'm an overthinker I'm going to put my hands up but now when I look at something I go look Ed you've got um you know got past experiences I can relate back to but when we start we don't so I'm just curious of what components of your confidence now makes you to where you are now because I hear the confidence in your tone of voice that's the thing that I love the most from this conversation it's it's not your body language it's the tone of how you speak and that's confidence within itself if that makes sense yeah and uh this wouldn't this wouldn't have happened um even up to very recently um and I those experiences that experience piece that you talked about is vital um being able to look back and giving yourself the opportunity to have experiences that you can learn from that as that as one kind of sentence there is massive to improve your confidence and big part of kind of the the youth council that we 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 give feedback um, but constructive feedback to support each other and a lot of that the most of it we try and do is really positive feedback and go that was really amazing you did great there we I really I took something from that I really learned I really developed because of what you did I think it was fantastic that you were vulnerable in that moment whatever it may be because actually hearing that for me one made me realize the value I could bring to the room but two also I was like, actually, that was quite good. And then you think about it yourself, I actually go, 
I was all right pat there. On the back. I, yeah, pat on the back, exactly. A pat on the that pat on the back because you may never realise that yourself until someone says it to you. And I think that's why it's so important for me when I can, especially as a as a hierarchical leader now in a team, rather than just more, you know, we don't really talk about positional leadership too much. But actually, I feel great responsibility to call it call out success when we have it. And and I, I do really want to do that for other people because I know of how much of an impact it had for me and my confidence hearing when I did a good job Um, and it's something that doesn't take a long time but has a big impact. So just on a practical sense of this conversation like doing that experience at rematch just because you took the time put yourself out there during your masters there's an example I'm just trying to give the listeners a practical example of a past experience because you've done it, you did it while studying. Because everybody says, oh, do internships. Oh, do volunteering during your studies. Yeah, but people don't know the benefits later on. And this is why I hope people are listening really, really well. So for my experience, it was when I was second year at Durham, I was at Soccer X for a month. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Here's the a snapshot of how they work as a football organization with events. And then had 10 days at Sky Sports, which was like, I'm not going to lie, I was like a kid in a candy shop when... It was the um, Rugby British Lions. And I go back to them now and go, ah, that's why I did this there, which has helped me to where I'm now. So I just want, could you just emphasize the bit of the power of doing these internships? And we'll talk about volunteering now from our development, not it's a tick box on a CV, it's a development piece. Because I think that's more powerful than I personally think now Oh, because it's just on your CV, because it's that phrases you so much. And I'm like, mm, personal brand now is more vital. Putting yourself in positions like you are at youth councils is more vital because it's development, I think, is better than a tick box. Um, I love your thoughts on this. This is uh, we're going deep now. <laughs> I love it. That's what we're here for. Um, prioritizing your personal and professional de- development is vital. Full stop. Um, I think those experiences that I had, you talk about the work experience whilst I was um, at, at university studying my master's, being in those rooms and understanding, even understanding how a workplace is works, like that learning, the basics um, is foundational to you being able to then move into a similar room in the future and know how to operate and know how to thrive. Um that is that is just really you know actually drilling it down to the very bottom of knowing what to do when you arrive in and and even just introducing yourself and putting yourself out there I was you know it was a very new space for me and you want to you want to do well you want to impress because you've also put yourself out there and you've gone actually I really want to do this um and just trying to get as much as you can out of those experiences because you won't you you may not you they're all so new and that's what's that's exciting but also scary about it and um I was moving in worlds I'd never moved in before and um actually try asking those questions just out of curiosity was probably what helped me the most in in that world because I could just be open and go I've, I've never done this before but I'm here to learn and um that's how you develop I think is is being really curious with your with your questions but that workplace and work experience piece is, is massive. And I think sometimes people don't realise the value in kind of volunteering or getting experiences like that because they are still very much real life. Um, it is a real project that you'll be able to be a part of. It is real um, kind of learning that you can get. And it's real people in the industry that you're working around. So um, there's so much benefit there. Can we just tap into some basics? I'm going to give you some. When I was at Benchmark Internationals, lucky enough to be there when they were basically judging the winners for their event and I was like Nick said they just come in and observe and I was like wow so I can observe how they pick the winners so I was like taking so many notes because for me I wanted to share this that the basics is about observation in a work office so if you're volunteering internship have your ears open have your eyes wide like and and then you can just get the use of the environment so when I was there it was like Ed it's not about really the paycheck I want to just learn how this office works because if I work somewhere else I can apply the best practices so there's one I was going to say observation my end and also it's going to sound crazy but understanding how meetings run oh my goodness if I know knew that when I started oh my gosh things have been a lot more efficient because things can just escalate in meetings not because of the passion in the room just time so all these little basics 
life's all about fundamentals, but I'm just curious from your experience of their mind. So meetings and observing an environment in a company, they're probably my two. What other basics would you add? Or you can relate to what I've said too, by the way. But just to give the listener, what, what are these basics? I mean, even learning how to write a meeting agenda, like that in itself and how to structure, if you're leading a meeting, how to structure that and make sure you get what you want out of it and the planning that goes in before that. Um, if you as if you want a really effective meeting I think the planning ahead of that that you just would never see otherwise is just really important um, which again is just something that you just wouldn't think about otherwise and um, I think again can I just pick up on your observation pieces I think that is something that fortunately I feel like is is something that's quite strong within my skill set of like picking up even just li- like the little behaviors in the room and the the kind of the body language or how people are approaching a topic and learning to understand a person and understand you know if your manager or whoever you're working with understand what makes them tick what they're passionate about and how they like to see work presented or or what they focus on whether that be the numbers the stats or the more emotive or the images or the whatever it may be knowing how to get through to someone and share your message was a massive skill for me um and you know even thinking about how I presented or, or led with the conversation I'll, I'll lead with numbers because that's what that's what they care about or this is the amount of people we've recruited and it's really amazing and they've stayed engaged in this way that's that what that's what brought them in so yeah that's that's useful for me I hope people are taking notes now now I just want to try and send this conversation to your research project because when I saw it on Twitter I was like retweet this needs to happen more um and it just I, as I said my eyes lit and that's where we got connected straight away we, we were in connection like if it's cool with you I'd always like to share we got connected and I think we're already connected on LinkedIn but we never really start the conversation we said this before I was like we know each other but we don't know each other getting on this call so tip everybody when you connect with somebody just start the conversation there and then but we're here now which is awesome but could you just talk to listeners about this research piece and I, I know your passion behind it hinted it already in this conversation but what is the purpose of this project and quickly like where do you want this to grow particularly in the as you mentioned in the women's football game I'm curious on that side of things yeah no of course so um, I was given the opportunity to kind of come in as a young person to do some work for young people which I think is a awesome thing to see that is being led through those values and it's fantastic to get this opportunity at, at the age that I'm at and be able to kind of continue raising the voices of other young people in, in their communities. So the research piece that Ed's alluded to is around actually understanding the motivations and barriers for young people to enter the workforce in, in football, whether that be the volunteer workforce or the professional workforce or both. Let's be open that it can be both along those journeys. Um, it has been for me. Um, so currently, um, the reason why that's important is because we have some funding across um, the FA and Premier League to create a bit of a strategy around um, some bringing in some new programs and interventions for young people um, to enter the workforce, but specifically to support the women's and girls game and de- develop and sustain this growth that we're seeing, um, which I talked about earlier, which is just fantastic. Um, and the reason why that's important is, be current, is because currently there's a disparity between the number of people supporting the boys and men's workforce in the grassroots game, the women's and girls, and it's quite a significant difference. Um, so in order to mean that we can have equal provision for those girls and, and women um, coming through to play football, we probably need an equal workforce to support it. And ideally, in this, in this scenario, hopefully young people can be a part of that solution and a, and a really vital part of that solution. So what I'm doing is I'm listening to the voices of young people. I am raising their stories and, and talking about their journeys in the game and understanding actually how did they get to the places where they are, but also listening to those who have never really felt like they belong in football and never really felt like they have a space because their, their voices are just as important um, to understanding actually how can, how can we engage them? Actually, if, if they're interested, how, how, do they, you know, how can we make sure they know their next step? Um, so I'm, I'm really spending a lot of time to make sure that youth voice is the centre of this work so that we can make sure that the programs in place align with their motivations to get involved also remove those barriers so it's more accessible for a huge range of like different people from different backgrounds and different experiences so that's why that's really important to me okay i'm gonna put you on a little bit of the spot just because 
I get it. And yeah. I'm even figuring out on this term of barriers. Could you just share a few examples? Like, don't be specific with names of people. I always respect people's yeah. privacy, but just a few where people can relate. Okay, that's a barrier. Like, um, I'm just curious. And I think it's really important that it's talked about of what are these barriers? I know you're early stages of this research, but just from your observations already, I know a few already I could relate to, but it's more, um, I'm just, from a research standpoint, what are those sort of barriers you've seen? To be honest, there are, there are, there are a lot. There are so many, and it's very diverse in, in how many different barriers there are. And one of the biggest ones that get talked about is around, for young people, is this piece around time. Um, and actually, you know, it's education is, for a lot of people at that time, becoming increasingly important. Um, so finding time outside of that, um, people say, is a challenge. Um, kind of digging into the ones that might be um, more looking into different areas as well is actually the, the role that parents can play and their, their understanding in the education of um, what football can bring to their child's life um, or, you know, um, actually understanding that some people go, well, you, you can only you can only do these roles. So isn't that they don't realise what else is out there and what the opportunity is. And that that can be quite a big barrier for some people. Um, I've had conversations around the, the barrier of um, different faiths and cultures, and that's that's massive to understand and, and to think about actually how can we um, open the doors for those young people who really want to, to get involved. Um, but it might be quite a big challenge for them against their commitments to their faith, but also the commitments to uh, all the beliefs of their families. Um, and, you know, for some of the young women I've spoken to, um, that has been a really big challenge for them. And, and some of them have overcome that and been able to tell a different story, but some of them it's still a massive barrier. Um, and, and to think about how we can open the door and, and show actually what this is what sport and football can bring in, into their lives. And then, you know, ac accessibility, travel and cost. Um, there's a conversation we're thinking about at the moment is actually how much of volunteering is a privilege around being able to do it for free. Um, and some people at the age of 16 need to get a job to support their families and we appreciate the, the economic climate that we're that we're in as well at the moment and actually you know there, there's a massive privilege from my part to be to have been able to volunteer from the age of 16 and, and to, to not have had to go out and get a, a job straight away and um support kind of my family or, or income there and it's, it's thinking about actually how can we um give people the opportunities that they, they really want within the sport that they want to get involved in even if um, that is that is their situation and they need to get work and you know travel travels massive if you can't if you haven't got a local opportunity and you can't get there yourself you can't get a lift from someone um, or you know it's not within cycling distance or walking distance or wherever you can go or even traveling at a young person if the sessions are later in the evening um, it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that we're talking about and a lot of barriers that we're seeing one of the biggest ones that is coming out, though, is this lack of awareness of the opportunity. And there is a massive education piece for the work that I'm doing that, that will come into this around actually how do we share about the exciting opportunities in football? How do we share about the value those opportunities can give both yourself, but also to your community, your football club, your, the other people, the young people that you might be working with, um, the adults around you, um, actually you know this is this is the world that's waiting for you this is the roles this is the opportunity and this is how it can impact your life and make your life better um so that is probably the biggest one that's coming out is actually just we, we don't know about it yeah no I think the one I was relating to that sparked my head just from my experience of I always think now I'm so grateful with my educational journey because when I speak to people from different cultures the access isn't there and that's one one of my goals is to make this podcast free because then we've eliminated that barrier they can learn from the special guests but I think culture is a huge one particularly in the football industry which we mentioned right at the beginning I love how conversations go full circle so I hope people are taking notes on the barrier side and this is where as youngsters in this industry we can try and solve those problems which is exciting but I want to touch on one thing and you said it already like from your career journey how is improving your self-awareness important working in this industry? Um, again, without using the same word, massive. Um, Self-awareness is just so important. And through these personal development opportunities, it has given me the chance to understand, one, the importance of just stopping and reflecting and thinking about 
what I'm doing, how I'm leading, what my values are. It's not a conversation I would have probably ever approached without those opportunities. So being completely transparent there, I would have never been exposed to those kind of conversations around, well, what are your values? What, what, is, what is important to you? And reflecting more inwardly, it wasn't something I did very naturally at all. Um, and it wasn't something I was exposed to throughout my education, like my formal education, that is. Yeah, thinking about actually almost why things get to you, a massive thing for me is around like justice and, and equal opportunity and, and that and like anything that is doesn't relate to that. I just I just, you know, you can feel it within you and it, it really gets to you. And I'm like, well, that's definitely one of my values that I hold close. So it's like, well, OK, moving forward, you, you start to kind of pick up and understand, you know, one your own self-awareness your own values but also how do I want to lead how do I want to approach people how do I want to build relationships what do I want people to take away from meeting me what energy do I want to give them what kind of how do I put myself out there and build that personal brand but what do I showcase within that and, and understanding who you are and how you can be really authentic with like how you present yourself um is massive and I think self-awareness sits underneath all of that because and to be honest you can sit and reflect and think about your own values but also that comes through a lot of experiences that test your values and then you start to understand what they are um because that was a massive thing for me because I really when I started this conversation I just really didn't get it I was like I know who I am um it's fine and I I don't know if I wasn't willing to look inwards a little bit more um but trying to really understand that was quite difficult for me and I didn't I think I didn't really understand the value of it to be honest with you um and that started to change um definitely as I I want to think about how I want to impact others and how I want to lead um so that's that's probably where it's come out more um because I, I didn't really get it at the start to be honest with you yeah I'm gonna share the yeah, other side please. of that because you're spot on with regards to the values you, you get somebody who's got wealth they say, oh, I know your values and but you've hit the nail on the head it's when you put it into those experiences when you're in the unknown um so let's say for you it could be unknown joining the uh, youth council putting yourself out there people giving you the prod going Emma you can do this like you only know that through doing mm. to see the values that you are showing mm. um Gosh, that sounds really good. How I said that. Yeah, I love it. For me, that that's how. Same with the podcast. Just here, I was like so, so similar. When I finished uh, venture, I was like, well, there's no resource where I can learn from other great people. So I'm like, so again, that access piece I relate to massively. Of values, like I'm always about access. You know, as long as you can show up with your skills, experience, or enthusiasm. If you've got no experience, but you're willing to show up and put in the work, they're the components. I think that are just as valuable than having 10 years of experience on one thing. So access is huge. That's probably what's the driving force of this podcast. But I want to touch on another key pillar, which we haven't discussed, but I think it's vital because we've talked about the values, we've talked about volunteering, how important, and it's used a lot on this podcast, as you probably could guess what I'm going to say, the networking aspect of this industry. Like if you can understand how to network effectively, I, like my definition is networking is a skill. That's how I show up to always improve. It's never, I've, I'm a great network. It's something I keep developing myself. But that piece, how vital is that reflecting of your career journey so far? Um, I was going to refer to it a little bit later on, to be honest. So it's, I'm glad it's come up now. And, and for me, your network is one of your most powerful assets, um, but in a kind of great mutual benefit way, hopefully. Um, and actually, it, it, it should hopefully never be one too one-sided and, and I think sometimes I worried about that at the start of my career because I was worried I was doing too much of the asking but I think when you go in with that curiosity piece and that wanting to learn it's a really great angle um, for you to, to go in with and networking I'm, I have never been the best person at the approaching the kind of starting it and it's something I've had to learn and get a bit more confident with really push myself out there it's um, yeah, like I like to think that I can hold a conversation and, and chat to people and, and learn. And I am really curious about people's journeys and their lives. And I think it's just so fascinating. Um, but getting there is not easy. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I'm curious now, have you ever just done any networking while just playing a game of football? Um, chatting away? Um, I imagine so. Um, I can't think of any. I mean, with, like we play 
it's, it, I think it's a great football is a great way to place the start though maybe not playing as much I think a lot of the people I play with have never kind of been in this spaces but I, I love learning about their lives through playing football and it, it's not as much career focused but um and that that might be due to the people like people I play with and, and more on the women's side of the game I'm, I'm not sure the, the reason I say this is when we think networking we think of that lovely corporate room with our cup of coffee and we like where do we start and I've sort of changed this is my experience I look at mm. like networking this is networking I look at starting a conversation on LinkedIn but I'm gonna give you one practical because that's why I was curious about the football when I went to Singapore for a workshop I really wanted to connect with Matt Rogan I knew he was there big fan of two circles and I was really quite I did get an introduction which makes a huge difference I would like to talk on that because when somebody sort of starts a conversation going you know like Emma here is uh, John Emma's doing great work that the conversation starts and 70% they will listen to you and take notice same with Matt but I remember the next morning this is in Singapore and I think it was like 30 degrees it was flipping hot we did these 5k runs and I went my goal is just to keep running with Matt I didn't know he was such a good runner oh my goodness I was running chatting away and I was like we had such a great conversation that I had him on the podcast twice we always keep in touch but it we networked I, I don't know how I talked because I was running out of breath but my point is, I want people to think that networking is just an activity, not this sort of corporate feel. Now, you could disagree. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I, I just want to change the perspective a little bit of this networking piece. Yeah, I mean, for me, my biggest um, route for networking has been through the Youth Council. And mm -hmm. um, because then you often end up working on a project with someone or meeting them through that way. And actually, it's one, it's a lot easier because you, you've got this mutual goal that you're working towards and it's like, oh, we're both here because we want to work on this and, and that's great and it, it's a really great starting point. But then you can also start to understand more about the person and they can get a little bit more about you and um, know where you're coming from and your background and your journey and, and learn about theirs as well. Um, so actually, more most of my networking has been through kind of being out there and, and doing projects and and trying to kind of either expand the reach of those projects or bring in different partners or, or people that we're working with and it's it's been quite um action focused focused in that guess sense I guess and that's probably helped me develop the most meaningful relationships within my network because we've had this project to hold on to and it's been a really nice starting point for us and then and then you can build from there and go oh well we did that and actually what are you working on now and, and keep in touch and try and stay in the loop so that's probably been the most helpful place for me um by opening those doors for myself like for myself through the youth council and, and for the team um and and being in those rooms but yeah it, it hasn't been as much of the corporate style um in in those kind of networking spaces at conferences and things mainly because I haven't accessed many of them this early in my career yet I haven't been in those rooms as much so um I've had to go through other routes, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. I see. I wish people saw your hand actions. It's like connecting the dots. It relates <laughs> to this question. How important is it to focus on that relationship building than just like a transaction of ask, here's what you get in return, sort of that sort of scratch my back, scratch your back, which I don't look at it like that. I, I, I always think build the relationship and see where that leads. Like, as I always say, like start the conversation, focus on the conversation. So I'm just... I just want to emphasize to listeners, how do you look at networking is like building that relationship long term and short term? It requires effort, right? Because it's not it's not easy. Um, and um, I'm quite action focused and try and keep, keep going, keep going. You're on the train and the, the momentum's there. So um, actually then thinking back and going, actually, can I touch base in here? And it's, it's really nice when people, you know, if people are posting on LinkedIn or on social media, just connecting, go, oh, that's really great. Love. And that's what, that's what you did for me, Ed, and it was a really great way to kind of spark this um, conversation. But actually just, you know, engaging with people, touching base, even if it's just really light touch at that time and just going, actually, I'm still here. I'm hearing around and, you know, then and supporting them on their journey and going, well, that's really fantastic. Like, really great to see that um, and asking questions or, or picking that up. And that I think that's the probably easiest way to kind of build that relationship. It's not just kind of starting like oh hi how are you that's there's a definitely a place for that but I think where you can if you can just build on and share their successes or celebrate or have those conversations it's it's a really nice way to just be in their circle and show your show you're in their corner right like that's one of the nicest things you can do absolutely and I think you've also highlighted another key point it is effort so 
just to do simple maths, if you have a thousand followers and followers doesn't relate to having a great network or their number, but the point I'm saying is there's a thousand people, you know, we can't, if we focus on those thousand people, we wouldn't get our job done. So I think it's prioritizing with the projects you're doing and then being light with comments. That's where social media is such a great tool because you could just keep in touch on comments, liking, just say like me, just resharing your thing. I was like, yeah, I'll reshare because it's important. It's that related to my values. That was the truth. I saw it was like, that's my value. Boom. And, you know, and to me, that's a better approach than going, oh my gosh, there's a thousand people. I've got to have a thousand meaningful conversations. And let's be honest, it doesn't work like that. But I think sometimes our minds think from a networking standpoint. But look, I want to touch on now your career journey now. What have you enjoyed the most so far looking back? Very good question. I think it's hard to single out one single moment, um, but I guess it goes back to my purpose and my values and um, being able to have a positive impact on others through the work that I do. Any moment I can link back that does that, hopefully it underlies everything. That would be the goal. But obviously there's other things that need to go on too. But anything that I can use for sport as a vehicle to positively impact others um, and particularly young people for my sense and, and be a part of their developmental journey has been massive and um, you know I think back we, we run this FA Leadership Academy I talked about every every July and um, we were talking recently about the evolution of, of that event and it was something I attended in 2016 it was four amazing days as part of a 12-month program that um, that I had never experienced before and um, through that then over COVID hit and we were meant to be delivering it in person um, and obviously that couldn't happen and at one point it was like well we're just going to have to have to not deliver it it's just not going to be able to happen and we all sat there and we, without even batting an eyelid we, we just adapted and we'll, we'll, we'll do it online we'll do it online it's fine we, we can't let down these young people we just have to make it work and we all pulled together and we delivered Fowler at home, FA Leadership Academy at home, and we, we did it online. And we still managed to create this environment of just excitement, positivity, passion about these young people about to go out and have this amazing impact on their local football communities. And I think that was just a moment of just pure agility, resilience and determination to live our vision and live our values. And I think when you have a group of people like that who support each other and work together, um, you just can't, you can't beat it. So there's been some moments like that, but the general, anything that aligns to me, being able to help others and support others through football, it's, you're onto a winner. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, I hope people are taking notes because adaptability in this industry is vital. Um, not even just COVID, even if there wasn't that and you're doing projects, that side of things, you only learn when you're doing it so that's a key point I wanted to emphasize look I hope people really enjoyed this conversation but Emma I always like to finish with an inspirational question what three tips would you give to listeners right now with regards to pursuing a career in the football industry like what would they be 100% so we talked about networking but it you know it was one of the first things that came to mind around how valuable your network is and to follow on from what I said before and, and to build on the po point around networking is actually that the people are really willing to help um, and and you know if you have a genuine interest and curiosity about what they're doing and and are able to ask questions the amount of people that have helped me just through asking and through um, having the confidence and putting myself out there just about having the confidence that um, it's been it's been incredible and and the kindness of people that and the kindness people are willing to show in the care for you um, when they they barely know you or your journey um is has been really inspiring to be honest um when you show that just excitement about what they're doing I think a lot of people are ready to share so I would um definitely recommend kind of if there's anyone that you really look up to in the industry or or go you see their role and you have like, I know I have no idea what that in involves but actually it's really interesting sounds really interesting it's always worth just seeing and even if they can't help you they often put you in touch with other people who might be able to give you some of their time and time is one of the most valuable things you can give right so um, people who are willing to do that really do mean a lot to me I think it's it's a really powerful and uh, meaningful thing you can see when, when people go out of their way to help so um, yeah be brave enough to ask the question as a summary 
Um, secondly, we talked about agility throughout this, this conversation. I think being open to learn and having a growth mindset um, has been massive and um, it really puts you in good stead to try new things and, and give things a go. Um, and then you learn what you like and what you don't like. And sometimes learning what you don't like is even more helpful. Um, so, yeah, it puts you in really good stead to make well-informed decisions in the future. Um, and, you know, I'm definitely learning still by trying different things and seeing what I like and what I don't like. And it's it's helped me along the way. So I thought I'd share that one. And then finally, I thought I'd leave on a bit of a positive affirmation and a bit of a, you know, positive moment. Um, um, anyone listening, I genuinely think you can do it. Um, I think if you truly believe in something enough, you can get there. And I still believe there's a place of privilege and that I'm talking from there and, and the, you know, the level of access I've been able to gain. But that level of access is growing, you know, with the Internet and with access to social media, you have more means to reach resources that you probably never have before. And I'd ask people to really make the most of that. But I think if you are taking the time to listen to a podcast like this one, you've already show such a level of motivation and genuine interest and action to be in the sports industry. And I think that motivation will take you a long way. So I'd really hold on to that and be, you know, you're obviously kind of using the resources to help you along your journey. And, and that is powerful in itself. So you can do it. <laughs> What a great way with that last tip. I think that's super important though. I'm going to touch on one final thing you said is knowing what you don't and do like. I think it's huge. If you can understand that within your journey, vital. With all the other tips you've given as well, are just simple, but that one stuck with me just now. Out of interest, Emma, how can people interact with you? The main places you can find me are Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, on Twitter, you can find me at Emma042198. Um, it's not the easiest one to remember, but I hope you can find me there. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn, Emma Clark, um, working uh, for Crayas Consulting. Um, so hopefully you can find me there and really interested to have some conversations. Awesome. To all the listeners listening in, all those two links will be on my website with regards to this podcast chat. Emma, it's been such a joy chat with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. What an awesome podcast chat with Emma. Like literally, I wish I had this when I started straight after my time at Durham University. Like for me, this is exactly why I created the podcast show, particularly with the guys people starting a career in the sports industry. Without a doubt, I hope you just learned from this whole conversation. With the guys today's podcast topic, I hope you've got the confidence that your voice, your values can influence the future of the football industry in particular, but also the future of your journey too. It's just having that confidence and courage and believing in yourself. Like that point that Emma mentioned of that self-belief, self-confidence, it is vital. For my personal experience, that's the first step you need. And then figuring out what you do and don't like, which Emma mentioned right at the end with regards to one of the tips she shared with you. But I really do hope you've learned from Emma's journey as well particularly if you're listening in and you have an undergraduate degree, non-sport related. It is proven, it is shown through Emma's journey that you can adapt by doing a master's or doing a football industry or sports qualification in the line of work you want to be doing. So I just want to give you like the bigger picture of this podcast. It's not just helping you start, it's helping you look at this podcast from a bigger picture of a journey perspective of your personal growth. That's why I'm super excited of this episode because I know it will help many people get your career rocking and rolling with confidence in the area you want to work in. But like Emma said, it is hard work. And I have to emphasize that as much as we have a passion, we have a drive in what we do, you still have to put in the effort and put in the hours behind the scenes when nobody's watching with regards to the career path you want to go to moving forward. And then finally, from a sports career development perspective, I'm going to emphasize the tip that Emma shared with regards to the networking side. It is used a lot in this podcast, but it is vital. And when you grow that network, when you start building those conversations with people and have like an add value approach, again, that's how the magic happens with the creating opportunities for yourself and the other person you're chatting to or connecting with where there's a similar value or goal behind it. Like that's where, with regards to her role as the uh, chair of the FIFA Council, you know, Youth Council, it gave her an opportunity to develop her skills, but also connect with great people in the industry on certain projects. So look, I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast chat. 
I would love to hear your feedback. What was your biggest takeaway? Let me know on Twitter at edbowers101. I look forward to replying to that tweet from you. But in the meantime, apply this podcast to your sports career development now and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Emma said, you can do it. If you truly believe in something enough, you can get there with your self-confidence and motivation because that will take you a long way from working in the sports industry.